2: apple card issued by goldman sachs bank
1: usa salt lake city branch subject to credit approval terms apply
3: welcome to star talk your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide star talk begins right now I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and this is StarTalk. Bill Nye. Bill, thanks for coming on to StarTalk. It's great to be here. Oh, my gosh. I'm reluctant
1: to call it my favorite thing ever, but Uh, it's pretty
3: good. (laughs) Chuck Nye. Yes, I am here. Thanks for coming. Always. We, We are now in Cosmic Queries. Cosmic Queries. I, I always want to do Cosmic Queries after hours.
2: Yes. Well, we're doing it after hours. <laughs> and this is, of course, where we take uh, inquiries from all across the interwebs. The interwebs, internets, the, our, fan bases our fan base, Our fan bases. And listeners, yeah. From everywhere. And uh, they ask you questions. We do not share the questions with you. Today, of course, we have the uh, uh, inimitable Bill Nye with us. Who, but here's the, here's the who thing. Is
3: an expert. So the topic today is what?
2: The topic today is rocket science is
3: hard. Right, right. And so while I know a little something about rocket science, mm-hmm. whatever I know, Bill Nye knows more. Okay. So I figured I'm not going to take this alone. Right. So I don't look stupid on the air. <laughs> no, th- well, you. I'll never... just say, oh, Bill, you take that right. one. I-, I could go. do it, but you're, I got you here. Nice. <laughs> well- Boy, you, that's pressure. Bill, you work for Boeing? You're an engineer, yeah, man, from yeah, way back. Yeah, yeah, on airplanes, you, which are rocket-like. Well, but No, but you've, you've thought about rockets in your life.
1: <clears throat> I've thought deeply about rockets. Well, there you have I've it. I've launched a lot of rockets.
3: I've thought lightly about rockets. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so Chuck, go straight uh, in. You know, between the two of you, we might just get somewhere. All right, let's jump right into this. Our uh-huh. first question is from uh, Paul uh, Curcio, or... Curcio, Mm -hmm. one or the other, Uh, and Paul is coming to us from Twitter. Paul says, "This have any benefits come from some of the shuttle disasters we have witnessed?" Well, there's
3: only been two disasters. We say some of them. There were two shuttle disasters. Okay, you you learn
1: something every time. Are you kidding? Yes, we learn things. Uh, By the way, this is uh, the next rockets are not going to have the plane mounted on the side. That's not going to
3: happen again, people. A greatly uh, complicated... I mean, the space shuttle orbiter is, is, has uh, the engine under its belly, and they're adjacent to one another.
1: Yeah, yeah. we're not going to do that again. We learned that. Put it right on top. Put it right on top. Or take off like an airplane from a runway. That would be the ultimate. But it takes a very lightweight
3: airframe, space frame structure. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's not doable. Just not there quite yet. Just the okay. Part- However, isn't it true that that wasn't a good idea even without the accidents oh absolutely okay not a so good then idea. what do we learn from the accidents this uh, would be challenger in
1: 1988. uh oh, which, oh, you may be right yes late late 80s no no, 80s. Oh, no 86 86 yeah. absolutely was 86 yes. 86 yeah.
3: and then uh columbia and
1: 2001 yeah so uh okay. what it shows you is yeah and you got to take the february ice ser- 2002 got to take the ice seriously Pokes hmm. a hole in the insulation, and
3: you got trouble. Wait, wait. The ice comes from condensation. That would only happen because they're in a humid environment called Florida. Uh,
1: I think you get ice even in New Mexico.
3: You think so? Yeah. Hmm. 20% humidity is going to get your ice on it? Yeah, okay. yeah. Things are cold. All right, all right. You
1: got to take it seriously. So the normally, the ice isn't a problem. It's <laughs> when
3: you have it mounted on the side, and the ice falls down on your insulation. Oh, now if you're at top of it, and the ice falls down, it just hits just the launch pad. Rock
1: bag. on. Rock on. Chuck, so you then, were hitching over there.
3: That's what, no, that's what we learned, I guess, you know. I'd heard from my rocket people that uh, rocket disasters are uh, opportunities rich in learning experiences.
1: Yes, hilarious. Yes, and the Antares blew up, which was a drag, and
3: that was what I liked. Antares was Orbital Sciences mission to to resupply the space station. But not manned, though, right? Unmanned. Just full of money. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh blew up. And, and they every- quickly
3: said, well, the <laughs> they quickly said, the, the officials quickly announced that the the astronauts on the space shuttle are, are fine, fa- even though this was a, supply, a ship supply ship to them, that they'll do just fine until the next. I'm thinking then why would you have to send this one in the first place? Well, they've planned for something going wrong from time to time.
1: I bet you have stuff in your cabinet next time that there's a hurricane mm-hmm. and you got to pull down your uh salmon in a can your tuna fish no, it called a pop- car
3: and you drive somewhere okay
1: <laughs> uh it took you three days though didn't it not to change the subject but you didn't leave right yeah, away. I, was, I
3: was hit by you, Hurricane had your, Sandy. you
1: had your fingers crossed for days yeah we lost
3: right. uh, electricity and so that was
1: but that's not exactly rocket science no it's not
3: it's not so so we did learn some things uh, the design of the space shuttle anything else how serious you have to take
2: okay. it? Right. Ice yeah. is a big deal. Okay. So, right. You got
1: everybody on the crew saying, by the crew, I mean people at the base, people who are working, people on, on the ground, control people ground. on the ground saying, "Well, it seems like about a one in three hundred chance that it'll work," and people are launching anyway. It shows you, it it could it could be a lot more reliable than that, right?
3: Okay, it says okay. after the fact. So, Where were uh, you before the fact?
1: Oh, we were all waving arms and pounding. My right, uh, right, right. no, my old aeronautics professor said, you know, don't ever, ever do this. I paraphrase, mm-hmm. but it was done anyway for uh, financial reasons, mm-hmm. and it was really. And I know we're answering this question. It was really during the Nixon administration when he decided that, for the sake of votes, NASA jobs were more important, really, than NASA exploration. And the evidence of this, if you look at Nixon's Oval Office. At one point, he's got Earthrise, Apollo Eight on uh, Isaac Newton's birthday Eve, nineteen sixty-eight, and then six months later, after he's got the votes in California, he takes that picture down and puts up
3: another one. Wow! He was not a believer. Wow! He was just being a politician. Yeah. I don't believe. Well,
1: just <laughs> politicians are hard jobs. <laughs> politicians a hard job. Sorry, let's, ladies and gentlemen, you couldn't see the hands. The going hands up going with up. The do v- it again, Chuck. Spiro,
2: what do we need yeah, to yeah. get the space vote? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So
1: how about next
2: question, yeah, Chuck? Next, next question, Chuck. There's pages right.
1: of them over here.
2: Yes, we do. Okay, so uh, this is from at Fish My Man. Fish, That's his name? Fish That's his man. name. At Fish My Man from Twitter. This is Cod. His name is Cod. and his, Get it? His <laughs> handle is at Fish My Man. How do we balance the burning desire of our genetic predisposition to explore with the need to ensure safe passage i think he's kind of that's a great about, question he's kind of talking also about maybe commercial space
3: flight uh, and let me let me add some punctuation to this and i'm going straight to you on this bill you're an engineer and you will tell the launch people look you shouldn't do that because it should be a little safer than that 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 could go wrong don't do that at some point somebody's got to push the button and launch the damn
1: oh thing. yeah you got to shit all at, the
3: engineers get on with production at some time you have to stop listening to the engineers and get on i'm wh- sorry what what <laughs> <laughs> what is that threshold
1: uh, Who well, decides a, it? Well, that's what we call management. Doggone okay. it. So the managers have to be literate enough to know
3: what the acceptable level of risk is mm-hmm. and uh, act accordingly. But the naive, the, the naive mind would say no risk is acceptable. So then, Oh, no, no. That's not a true fact. That's a false fact. That's a false fact? Mm-hmm.
1: No, you've been in automobiles. And there's a risk attached, yeah, and and especially sure when you, I'm driving. Yeah, well, I'm sure you have a sense that something could go wrong. And these guys, the people who fly in rockets, have a sense that something could go wrong. And I'm very sorry about the uh, Virgin Galactic crash the other day, Mm -hmm. a surprising result, and one that they will straighten out. And that, I claim, is uh, not just part of the process, but it's part of the management process where you learn what is acceptable. And I think what was going on changing the subject to the space shuttle in the previous question, a lot of people knew the risk was a lot higher than was advertised and they pressed on anyway. At Virgin Galactic, it looks like perhaps the risk was underestimated that it's actually more dangerous than yeah. than people were saying. Mm. Uh, in other words, there wasn't uh, deliberate deliberate ignoring of the facts. There was uh, ignorance of the facts. Ignorance. So we'll see what happens. Two different reasons. Two yeah, different why reasons. The, yeah. Feather, the feathering thing? It's a surprising result why that would cause trouble. And it could have to do... I'm shooting from the hip as an engineer... Could have to do with the materials involved.
3: You know? So, this is the brakes put on too early, the air brakes.
1: Yeah, system. well, it's just too high, The too many molecules in the atmosphere at, right, the, at that level. Uh-huh. I mean, if you'd waited a little longer where you got a fewer molecules per cubic something, you might have been. I'm just working with the data we have. Stay All tuned. Right. There are people who are experts at figuring this out.
2: Wow. Okay. All right, Chuck. That's give very it to cool. Me. Here we go. This is from Carlos and uh, Carlos's CDS on Twitter wants to know this. How easy is rocketry these days? Been tough recently. Do we pretty much have it figured out or are we just kind of
3: playing around? Let me shape that question back to you, Bill. We've been boldly going where hundreds have gone before I into, know. into low earth orbit. Uh. I would think that low Earth orbit should be zero risk at this point, given how long we've been doing it and how many people have done it. So that if we're going to put lives at risk, it should be by doing something we've never done before. If I were to think of an acceptable risk, it'd be doing something that's never done before, not doing something hundreds have done before you. So we just saw it back in in November. In October, we saw two disasters, two space It was uh, early November. Mm-hmm. We saw two disasters people not even going into orbit so here's what I'd say to you you may
1: be uh, mixing the modern verb is conflating mm-hmm. air traffic air airplane airliner travel with rocket travel a few hundred is not that many right you think about how many airplanes people tried to build in the early 1900s and how many crashed. How many failed. Yeah, and f- and was, from the films, it looks like 100% of them. Yeah, crashed. yeah. Well, so I saw the, the, filth, in the films. In other words, 100 or 1,000 isn't that big a sample size, really. And the other constraint when it comes to the Antares rocket, the Orbital Sciences rocket, the blue, that was an old rocket being repurposed, being refurbished. Okay, to so, make so
2: are you saying that maybe we need to go up into low – Earth orbit
1: so much that it becomes like Well, this
3: is uh, This is what he's saying. This is what so we saying.
1: As, as many as 100 sounds, as many as 100 flights sounds like, it's not that many it's, in the statistical scheme of things.
3: Yeah. Have, do you know how many flights take off every day and land every day? Honor. I mean, it's. I can't it's say some, that I do. It's some. Ca- I have a video. I'll show you. It is some countless scary it's number. Tens of thousands. It, it's countless scary number of airplanes. You're talking airplanes. globally. Global. Yeah, there,
1: there are about hundred thousand passengers in the air at, at any, any time. given time.
3: Yeah. Wow. And if you said to the Wright brothers, you know, you know, in about a hundred years, we're going to have a hundred thousand people in the, in the air, air at any given time. Yeah, they, they, they. they yeah. So
1: that's what I say about space travel. We're just uh, compare the two accidents. Antares, a very old rocket, being refurbished, and it had a leaky fuel line. It sounds like, or a leaky pump. And then uh, the Virgin Galactic rocket was a brand-new rocket, and so it had the brand-new problems. Mm-hmm. The in-between ones is what we're all hoping to develop.
3: The in-between. We want in-between.
1: We want in-between. <laughs> so
2: there you have So, Carlos, there's your answer. Thank you. Rocketry, mm-hmm. not easy. Hopefully, we'll get to a place where it is. That place will be in between. In between,
3: <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. you got right. it. Well, in got between old and in right between off, old and right, right on the right, right, right of the shop, the, right. still yeah. smells new. Anytime somebody said this is a brand new yeah. thing,
1: try. Well, that's to- where right. Letterman asks uh, Sir uh, Branson, "Are you going to go on the first flight?" Oh, uh, not on the first flight. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. give him a few. So there you have it.
3: If I'm it has that the new pilot,
2: rocket smell,
3: <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> get on it. Okay. I feel it. Wait till the you farm. see
2: a couple sandwich stains on the seat. <laughs> that's the, that's the rocket you yeah, want to That's take. right. That's true. All right. Let's go to Deepak Prem. Deepak Prem at Astro Prem. He wants to know this. He says, I can understand that it's justified to spend resources on space exploration, but why risk human life in the name of tourism? He is quite emphatic about that. So,
1: Depak, you have the option of not buying a ticket. You'll be okay. You don't have to buy a ticket. You don't have to go. Uh, no, stay... but he's thinking in the abstract. So stay here and so on. The people who are willing to take the risk will throw down and go up. Uh, is there any benefit to, to, to well, the risk? Everybody involved? who flies in space, by all accounts, has this new appreciation for the Earth when you see the Earth from above, apparently I've not done it except by uh, the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changes your perspective. You realize what a fragile, small world we live on.
3: Yeah, but Bill, Bill, in the early days, there were joyriding airplane flyers, right? Yeah. All right. So they must have known risks, and some of them would have died, and that was, uh, and that was the touristic risk. So it's clearly people will do this. People get on roller coasters and take risks. No, they, no. If if they if they if you told someone was a one hundred percent chance they would one in a hundred chance they would die by getting on a roller coaster, nobody would take the risk. Yeah, that's
1: what. Yeah, that's right. But if I you guess. say
3: there's one one in a hundred chance you'll die climbing Mount Everest, people line up around that's the block right. to
1: that's do. That's right. That's what it. they do. Why? What's the difference? Uh, I guess you're going someplace new. You're uh, going where no one has gone before. And uh,
2: Mount Everest is just Mount Everest, where roller coasters are pretty much everywhere. <laughs> okay. So, like, there's only one of those. Yeah, there's only point? one, you know. <laughs> Mount Everest. And okay. there's only one space
1: to go to. No, but so. there's people who seek thrills for deep in, um, evolutionary reasons, apparently. Oh, man. You can't just do that. You can't just make
2: these statements like what that anymore. know that the
1: people who don't take risks get eliminated. Uh-huh. There's
3: something about us, the people that go well, over right, the right, hill right.
1: to look in the valley and make risks, discoveries.
3: People who take risks. Get eliminated too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just excuse yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's deep within us, the drive. But but those who survive <laughs> Survive longer than those who never took the risk well, at, the in tribes. the first place. Yeah, the tribes. Yeah. That's gotcha. yeah, that's how you got to word that sentence. That's gotcha. it. Okay. All right. So what the, 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 the inherent benefit of risk taking is long term, <laughs> or <any> medium. <laughs> right. So uh, short
2: term disaster, long term
3: benefits. and it may accrue to your descendants, but only if you have descendants before you go on that mm-hmm. risky venture. Uh, right. Otherwise, well, you are wiped from the gene pool.
1: Or you, or you pull it off. You c- you go over the hill, make the discovery, and come back. Right. Okay. Or do
3: it and never come back and start and your own And the people come with you, yeah. Colony, yeah. Okay. okay. What a,
2: super cool, man. All right. This is Matt Kennan. Matt Kennan, OA to Twitter. He wants to know this. Can we alter the popular notion in the media that a failure means nothing Bill, learned? Go
1: for it, Bill. That's all you. That was I was charmed <laughs> by the many, many news stories after the Antares rocket blew up and then after the Virgin Galactic crash. Does this mean the end of SpaceX? Are you kidding? Those people are going to redouble their efforts. They're going to go back at it harder than ever. They're going to work as hard as they possibly can to solve these problems because they see the great promise. Right. Are you joking me, Mr. Question Person? And
3: how do you really feel, Bill, about Mm -hmm. that?
1: For crying out loud. No, when something goes wrong, you just try even harder. Right. Otherwise you get out competed by the other guy who does succeed Lee try harder.
2: And you know what? That doesn't that makes uh it makes no difference what it
1: is across the board. That kind of it's, it, it's, it's a general it's approach. It's to a, it's a life. general approach to life. Now you yeah. two guys have ancestry. Yes. Where I imagine people told you couldn't do a lot of things. This is true. And look at you both. Yep ruling the airwaves
2: yeah, yeah yeah i come from that is my lineage my uh great grandfather invented uh the horse diaper and uh a lot of people don't realize they were like that's a disgusting premise why would you ever want to do no, that but if you're going to central park that could be just the thing there you go so thank grandpop nice for that
3: <laughs> nicely done <laughs> is that true huh is that true? Now, Neil, you know better than
1: that. I
0: don't know. Still like, coming I out of your mouth. It. I don't
3: know.
1: No, but one of the one of the perennial jokes about space exploration is how do you evacuate your bowels and empty your bladder. And this is a very serious problem that has to be solved when you're going to fly in space. Yeah, at
2: zero gravity.
1: And yeah. When you're a horse, uh, you're an owner of a horse, and you have And patrons, you're in zero G. Right? And you have patrons riding in your handsome cab.
3: You're listening to Star Talk. Stay tuned for another segment.
2: Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add.
0: Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Quay in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship from a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family style italian then settle in for an evening of live entertainment whatever your vibe is you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell so pack those bags be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like carnival
3: Welcome back to Star Talk. Here's more of this week's episode. Chuck, uh, Bill and I have not seen these questions. No, I br- you have not. I brought him along because they're rocket questions. I would not be able to answer. Mm-hmm. That's why I brought him along for backup. And so, give just- the
1: engineering perspective.
3: Yes, exactly. So, what do you have for us?
2: All right. So here's a. Uh, speaking of engineering wonders, let's talk about a little Rosetta. Philae. So um, this is from Andy Stenz, who wants to know, um, what if another civilization see the comets and asteroids, etc., with organic material trying to propagate life around the universe? Is that feasible? Now, I mean, where he's talking about is the fact that we were able to land on a comet. So he's uh, in, a, in a longer version, he says, would we be able to actually do something like that? Take who we are. And instead of sending a rocket, we put who we are on a comet and let
3: who we are okay. go out and leave our solar system and go forth. There's a little problem with that. Okay. Okay. The very act of landing on a comet means you have given your rocket the exact orbital trajectory of the comet itself. to start with? And then you light another engine <laughs> and push it the rest of yeah, the Yeah, well, you could do that. No, so if you've matched the, the, the comet or the asteroid, then... What does it mean you to put on the asteroid? You don't, need, you the don't asteroid. need the asteroid. That's, That's my, what you're saying. That's exactly I my got point. It now. Right. Oh no, no, the
1: asteroid, uh, Neil. Yes. From an engineering standpoint. Yes. These kids who want to mine asteroids, yeah. you've heard about them. Planetary well, all, resources, I, for example. To quote
3: Bill: All the kids are trying to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: the big thing they want to mine is water. Yeah, mortar. And the, what they want to do is take solar panels
3: mm-hmm.
1: to make electricity from the sun electrolyze the water so that it becomes – H2O becomes hydrogen and oxygen.
3: Mm -hmm. Break it apart.
1: Then put it back together as rocket fuel in a very fast fashion Mm -hmm. and get a jolt. And get a jolt. So this is not – I mean, it's extraordinary,
3: but not completely unreasonable. But – so you're saying you would go to the asteroid that is a source of water for future rocket fuel for you? And so the it's, word a, asteroid it's a filling be, station. Like That's right. station. That's right. That's all. Oh, I'm good with that. It
1: might be closer to comet.
3: Yeah. Something icy. I'm good. I'm good with that. And there there are water rich asteroids that are not. Uh, Comets so right. So no, that's cool. I I, these would be filling stations.
1: Yeah, and so quick marts (laughs) (laughs) If you got time a lot of time at the quick mart. Furthermore,
3: Otherwise, you got to look like a Saturn V rocket where every ounce of fuel that you're gonna use your entire journey You're leaving with earth to take and then you run into the rocket equation problem There you go tell to give us two minutes Mm -hmm. on the rocket equation. Well,
1: everybody you know how heavy the thing you're gonna try to lift is your payload that what you pay for and uh, think about this: the moment you light the rocket engine, the rocket weighs less. With every moment of time that passes, more fuel is burned, and the rocket weighs less. Mm-hmm. So the great deep calculus rocket equation question is: how
3: much fuel do you start with? Right. <laughs> and so there's that's because some of the fuel is it. to move other fuel you haven't burned yet. That's it to right. burn it later, later in your trajectory. Related
2: rates. Yeah, it's it's, it's like doing pull-ups.
3: You're Uh yeah.
2: yeah. You're lifting your own body weight. So yes. if, if you have long arms and you are heavy, it is very difficult to do pull ups. That's true. And if you pooped while you were pulling well, up, every next pull up ah! would be easier. But I
3: knew this was so coming. So this is the point of the rocket equation. <laughs> you could also it could just be gas. And <laughs> the <laughs> <As a> gas would <laughs> have recoil effect right. and you can <laughs> <laughs> ways to make the pull ups easier for you on en- route. So, uh, okay. the, the,
1: but those are those are uh Third order effects. Okay. Exactly.
2: Okay. All right. What else you got? Well, there you have it, Andy. Uh, the, the answer. Well, one, one other question is, uh, you don't, you really wouldn't need to do it unless it's a filling station. That's the answer. Yeah. That's the answer. That's the mm-hmm. answer. All right. Let's go to, uh, Jay Knickerbocker. Right. Not to be confused with the New York Knickerbockers. Jay says images of the comet show in tumbling at a high rate of rotation. If that is accurate, how did Rosetta? match its rotation to the comet so Philae could make a stable landing regarding the failed harpoon. How are they sure it didn't fire, or is it possible any sensors indicating such simply failed? And it is, in
3: fact, tethered.
0: Uh, so
3: he's... I don't know there's rotating... All well, that the word
1: fast, when you watch the uh, animation on the electric internet... Right. It looks fast, but it's a rotation rate was about once every 12 Earth hours. Is yeah. that fast? So that's not really all that well, fast. Well, so it's, so it's, it's twice as fast as the Earth spins, and okay. it's a difficult deep space problem to get your Rosetta probe rotating at about the same speed.
3: But however, to, to the question's point, I would say uh, that if they show the rotation on the GIF at the actual rate – That would be a really boring shift. Well, it'll take you a while. (laughs) It'll take to sat there for 12 hours and watch the thing turn around.
1: Furthermore, it is tethered by gravity. Even though it's a very low mass thing, it still has gravity. It still has gravity,
2: which is why it bounced, went up however many. Almost over a kilometer. Uh, And then came back down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. All
1: right. You got it. So there you have it, man. There you have it.
3: Next question.
1: And the telemetry, as far as the sensors not sensing it,
3: the telemetry is pretty reliable. I got a question for Bill. I mean, it's named Rosetta because the Rosetta Stone, which was helped us decode ancient languages, in particular Uh uh, the Egyptian hieroglyphics,
2: and taught me Spanish. Oh, Rosetta, the the
1: The name for the same thing. Okay, Okay. so
3: but the phylae, I I didn't do my homework on phylae. Do you? What was phylae named after? Bill, do you know? Uh,
1: It's a nymph out there.
3: Really? Yeah. A sea nymph that, uh, where if you go towards it, you crash into the rocks? Uh, so um, I should know the that. The water nymphs? Yeah. i looked it that up. That doesn't Let sound like you want to name. who
1: wants to know, check out planetary.org and read Emily Lochtewaal's blog.
3: It's in there. Uh, uh, disclaimer.
1: Can't, can't say that?
3: No, no. Disclaimer.
1: Oh, disclaimer. I'm the CEO of the Planetary <laughs> okay. Society. Neil deGrasse Tyson's on the board of the Planetary Society. Okay. <laughs> and Chuck uh, Nice will be what reading what, the blog. <laughs> So, Chuck, here's what went wrong with that. Dr. Tyson used the word disclaimer when I think he meant disclosure.
3: Oh, you're right. He's right. Totally Call me out. Uh It's the schools. It's a rookie
1: mistake. There you
3: go. (laughs)
2: All right. Let's move on. Uh, This is Mark Parton. Mark wants to know this. He says, good day. I heard that It's uh, G apostrophe D A Y No it wasn't good eye Good eye <laughs> It was Good Day
1: <laughs> Now there's the, the yeah, Chuck the, adopts
3: the, adopt the, the, region, uh, the
1: regional accent Well he's got the DJ the DJ voice Good day. Good day. Uh
2: I heard that Philae bounced off the comet before settling back to the surface several hours later. The long bounce was due to extremely low gravity after seeing the pictures of the solid rock surface. I wonder how something with such a low gravity formed rocks. If this and other comets and asteroids were formed from leftover dust from the formation of a solar system, how did this dust compress into such solid materials without significant Gravity. This is awesome. That was a great great question, question. Mark!
3: These These people are doing their homework. Yes! So the thing is...
1: That was great! Good day, Mark. Is that (laughs) who it is? (laughs) That's who it is. It's (laughs) Mark. So when you're in deep space, there's nothing to slow you down if you're a particle of dust. One of the strange insights that troubled me as a young man, and I still stroke my chin from time to time... And you're still a young man. When you look at the dust on the bookshelf... It is a strange thing that not only is the Earth pulling the dust down or toward the center of the Earth, the dust is ever so slightly pulling the Earth up. So in deep space, when you have dust many many kilometers apart mm-hmm. and they're being attracted, they actually slam together at a pretty high speed. And this was one of the ideas behind the Philae probe was to figure out uh, what is the asteroid like: is it puffy meringue or is it rocky solidy? And uh, is it a cream puff or uh, a walnut? That's and this- uh, Well, it's a comet.
3: It's, we know it's a comet, so it'll so, be mostly uh, evaporative ice. Ice. Right, right. So so here's the thing, Bill, which, is, which to me thing. is quite cool. It was not until recently that we had any clue what the structural integrity of comets or asteroids actually is. Mm-hmm. And we've seen comets go around the sun and just the tidal force of the sun breaks it apart into 20 pieces. We had a comet slam into Jupiter. It was one piece at one time and then became 24 broken pieces afterwards. And no one went to it with a sledgehammer. It was just the gravitational stress of going by Jupiter that did that at all. So we don't really know how tightly held together these things are. And, and that's like, part of the mission. That's right? part of their mission. Now, there's some asteroids that are the fragments of broken planetesimals. Those would be chunks of rock and get out of their way. Right. But comets and some other asteroids, they might be rubble piles, right. just rocks <laughs> that gather together. There are rocks that we, there are asteroids that we know have the density, where the material is made of rock, but you calculate the density, and it's the density of something almost as light as water. Sounds like a marshmallow
2: rock. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like marshmallow. a marshmallow
3: rock. <laughs> exactly. So you, it's got rock, but it, the rock isn't all the way through it. Right. It's got this, it's porous, or it's, uh, it's just a pile of rubble traveling together, pretending like it's one solid object.
1: Oh,
2: uh,
3: like a bunch of little thugs. Hey, you guys, I looked up Philae. Mm-hmm. The island of time. Ooh. Philae is the island of time. Now, is, is he allowed to rock? pull out his thing and look up the answer? I mean, we're supposed to...
1: Well, anyway, uh, it's just something be... I should know, and it has to do with the sun god Ra, and he had an island, and Philae was the island. Okay. There you have it. Yeah. So this this asteroid it feels which like we, sounds a little Latin
3: rather than It's Greek
1: I think when you get the PH going.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, okay.
1: So 67 CP is
3: Sheremnikov Exactly that, yeah. Uh, Russian words, <laughs> excuse me. Nobody named John Smith ever discovers a comet. It's 67 so. CP would be an island of time. It's Cher Cheremoninoff or yeah, something Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
1: I, I did okay. it for several days and now under pressure <laughs> I'm blowing it. Go take it. What
2: else you got? All right. So that, by the way, was a great answer for Mark. There's
3: your answer, Mark. Uh, this, is, this is how. Oh, oh, by the way, just while we're there, mm-hmm. if there's an asteroid headed our way and you want to deflect it. Yes. And you, lay, and you send something that's going to push it and you later learn that it's made of a rubble pile, you end up pushing some of the rocks and not the others. Right. So you want to know what this thing is made of and how it's held together before you do any of these rescue missions or any kind of mission at all. And and like like Bill said, that's part of the reason why we went there in the first place. And this is a big push at the Planetary Society, is assessing the
1: near-Earth objects. Right. Did I mention planetary.org? Did I disclose? Disclosure. That I'm dis, the dis, CEO the on the
3: board? What's the word I use? I'm so I'm embarrassed. You went
1: uh, disclaimer. Disclaimer. Was said. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm embarrassed. I wasn't disclaiming anything. I was disclosing I'm so. embarrassed. Uh, we'll get through okay,
2: it. Okay, what else? All right, let's <laughs> move on. Another great question. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um You know what? This is a pretty, uh, this is Chris Van Gundy. A pretty s- simple, straightforward question. All right. How can we determine the difference between a brown dwarf and a large Rogue planet. Ooh.
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh. well, brown you dwarfs use are your, still
3: like uh, GPS. Well, brown dwarfs <laughs> <laughs> is that what you use? <laughs> yeah, we showed a, a a rogue planet in in Cosmos and showed that with infrared filters, it's still sort of radiating the heat left over from its formation. There, it is hotly debated. Still,
1: get what, it? Hotly debated. Exactly.
3: Ah. What is the boundary between? A brown dwarf and a and a planet. Just at what point do you say this is a planet? There's not is- a planet, and now you have got like the beginnings of a star. And then when do you have a star? Right, so, we have
1: one like Jupiter. That's a beginning.
3: Well, yeah. Jupiter is is still a way a little too light to have. A, it's a star that never made it, but it's not like it was close. Okay. And so Jupiter is not massive enough to be. So we have people working on how to define brown dwarfs. Is it chemically what's going on in the atmosphere? Is it temperature? But then the temperature changes over the life of the thing. Are
1: the school kids going to have to relearn? I to know. Some and thing? then
3: as the temperature changes, the chemistry of the atmosphere changes. So what are you going to observe about it in order to say what kind of object it is? And is the object changing? And so so it, it's still a hotly discussed topic. Look at that. Albeit at about three Kelvin. Three
1: degrees above absolute
3: zero. Uh, it's hotter than that, yeah. hundred. Is it 100 Kelvin? Well, what, for the temperature of the stars?
1: A brown dwarf. Oh, it's, no, 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 Kelvin. Uh, no, 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 sorry, sorry, a rogue planet.
3: Oh, no, a rogue planet would be, I mean, it could be as much as, I don't know, several hundred degrees uh, Celsius. I mean. Several hundred degrees, several hundred Kelvins. I'm sorry, did I, uh, let me think, hold on, several, several hundred Celsius degrees above absolute zero. No, 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 sorry, sorry. Let us, let us agree on what scale we're using first. Yes. Okay, so, (laughs) uh, how about, uh, Celsius? Surface of the sun is between five and six thousand degrees Celsius. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, brown do- and, and I mean, a brown, and cooler red giant stars are around 3,000, 2,000 degrees. You start getting brown dwarf land when you're 1,000 degrees, 800 degrees, and then hot planets would be, you know, 400 degrees. Right. A rogue that,
1: planet would be 400. Yeah, around there. Around wow. There.
3: Based on my memory of how all this. So bit, out.
1: note well, uh, though the surface of the sun at 6,000 degrees Celsius sounds hot, it is hot, but a bolt of lightning is a little hotter. Ooh. What? Yeah. Oh, snap!
2: That was pretty cool because a, a
3: bolt of lightning is hotter than the sun. The well, no, excuse the sun. me, the sur- not the center of the sun, the surface of the sun. Oh, oh, okay. The yeah. sun. All right. Yeah. T- t- now that you feel better. Now, now. I feel better.
1: <laughs> hence the expression. Now, now my mind isn't nearly
2: as blown. <laughs> hence the expression.
1: It was like I got stuck with the surface of the sun. Yes. No. See that wouldn't. That, would that mean wouldn't be nothing. Right. Yeah. It's a bolt of lightning. Now, now you're talking. Okay.
3: All right. I don't so, know. If, do we have time for one more if it's quick? Go. Oh,
2: God. Okay. Here we go. Exclu- for this this is from, this this from is for Dan segment. Zimney. Excluding the size and the distance from the sun, does Venus have more in common with the gas giants than terrestrial
1: planets? No. No. no! <laughs> Venus is uh. a rocky terrestrial t- planet. No. Second from the sun. And no! The only reason it's hot, or the big How? reason it's hot is the greenhouse effect. People, that's fundamental. <laughs>
3: You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Stay tuned.
4: More up next. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24 7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. This episode is brought to you by
0: Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now
3: Welcome back. Here's more of Star Talk.
2: All right, hey, let's jump right back into this. This is Jove, I mean, sorry. Jose Javier Galvez. I had to say it like that. Uh, launching a Chuck space I can do
3: him some 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 regional accents,
2: right? Yes. So this is launching a space shuttle was originally estimated as very low cost, but in the end it went up to a billion dollars per launch, which made it kind of unmanageable. Uh, do you think the same can happen now with private companies as they face the huge challenges and risks of spaceflight?
1: Time will tell. And by the way, $1 billion was an estimate for a while. Now all in people are throwing around the word, uh, the number $1.5 billion per shuttle, shuttle flight. So here's the thing. when you, The um, space shuttle was built by NASA, and there are 10 NASA centers. And this was a brilliant idea in 1958. That it it made the space program, uh, if I may, uncancelable. Ten centers across the country, across the country,
3: in eight states, too big to fail.
1: Well, too big th- uh, well, to close. just too many congressional interests to get uh, shut down. Right, and so now, uh, t- everybody, keep in mind when we talk about space exploration technology, SpaceX, and we talk about Boeing, these companies are taking billions of dollars uh, to produce rockets for. Uh, the larger good, for the public good, to fly astronauts from many nations to space. Uh, But when you visit SpaceX, the factory is a big horseshoe. The train cars show up full of steel and aluminum. They unload this stuff. It goes into the factory. They hammer it out to the right shape. They stir-weld it with the world's largest stir-welder machine, which is a fabulous friction thing. Then they put all the wires in, and they pressure this, they make the pressure tanks, and they install the pressure tanks. goes around the big horseshoe, the big letter U, and it goes back on a different train car and goes to Cape Canaveral or Vandenberg Air Force Base ready to fly. That's the premise of the bit. So it is believed that you'll be able to lower the cost of making rockets. So we will see. Are there subtleties? Are, is there expertise? That NASA had, that these new companies, by new, I mean more recently developed companies, do or do not have. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. When it comes to Boeing, they've been building all kinds Disclosure. of rockets for years and Disclosure. years. Disclosure? I worked on at Boeing. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, have <laughs> some, I have some loyalty to Boeing, but I'm not uh, – either way.
3: You worked on the jumbo jet. Worked on 747. Yeah. yeah it was mm-hmm. very cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Loyalty to that. A lot of vertical tail. Fabulous leading edge flap system. You got t- <laughs>
2: hey listen what can I say uh, the, I I can never hate on a man for getting a little vertical tail that's <laughs> all so I'm saying I just you had me a tail Bill you know in
1: the, uh, in the aerospace
2: industry we Not call that tip, vertical, vertical
1: tail. tail we call that empennage <laughs> empennage so you, I see in your hand you have a pen yes sir that's from the Latin word penna for feather mm-hmm. so we write we used to write with quills correct now, airplane, uh, the shaft of an arrow is the fuselage, right? Mm-hmm. The tail feathers are the empennage. Ah. And airplanes have an empennage. And my understanding, in your experience, you have three children. Uh, there's been there's been quite a uh, some empennage. successful it's <laughs> it's a emp- empennage. a lot of information. I was going to let it taper off, but you're going to.
2: That's cool. It's all good.
3: That's very cool. Huge
2: all fan. right. Let's go to Facebook and James Fish. And James
3: oh, says. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I got to add something to this. Go ahead. So the shuttle would have been less per launch, right? If we had 50 launches a year, but the it turned out to be too dangerous and complicated. Too complicated, and the parts were being used. And then when do you replace it? Do you need a new part or one that's battle tested? And so part of a business model is always can you reuse the the vessel? And modern airplanes are used multiple, multiple times, times a day. Right. If the you people had
1: people flying airplanes now are younger than the planes.
3: Right. If you flew an airplane and each time you threw it away, that's a different business model. We wouldn't be flying. Right, we wouldn't so be much. flying so right. much Exactly. Got, okay. Well, go on. well,
2: there you go, Jose. There's All the right. real answer. How do we do it? Volume. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our
1: manager is out of town. We must be crazy to offer these prices.
2: <laughs> <Managers> <laughs> of All right, let's go to Facebook and James Fish, and here's what James has James has to say. There's a lot of talk about quantum computers and how they could change the face of predictive modeling. What potential could it have to change artificial intelligence and lead to a robot uprising? I thought he was going to and change
1: the face of space travel, but he went with robot uprising. (laughs) So, everybody, I'm all for the singularity when computers are as smart as people. But computers and uh, the quantum computing thing run on electricity. And right now, someone literally has to shovel the coal to keep the robots going. So, uh, I'm all for this robot uprising as long as there's an infinite supply of electricity. Well, what if they're controlling the nuclear power plants that they're going to... Okay. Knock yourselves out. They're it's, in
3: control of the grid, Bill. I think it's a long way off. Well, no, they yeah, were Bill, designed if, by if, us. If the computer has the quantum, they'll control the grid, right? And, They're not going to wait for you to plug them in for them to take over no, your life. But, who's going to shovel the coal? They They will. Oh, is that They'll that right? invent a version of themselves that'll show up. they ball. will. So anyway, let's change the subject plus, wait, but Plus, you speak like the. it's weird that the robots need some special source of energy. So do we. Yeah, because we eat is- food three at least times a day. Just, just we need. And you're saying we
1: create us by means of uh, empanage interaction. Yeah, that's there correct. There we go. And uh, so you're saying it's sort of six or one. Okay, so by the way, changing the subject back to me. I have a little thing about the singularity.
3: Okay. In my no, just book. to be clear, there's an astrophysicist at the table. If you use the word singularity, you have to clarify that you're and not using it. Talking about at, well, the beginning of zero. the universe. We're <laughs> not talking we're, about the beginning of the universe or the center of a black hole or any yeah, other previous use of the word singularity. Go. Uh, I love this tension.
1: <laughs> we're getting to uh, where computers computers have enough computational power to be like a human brain, and uh, in my book. Undeniable. Uh, on the New York Times best oralist. Uh, <laughs> I um, have a little discussion about this. You can go to places in the world where people have not made a phone call. Not made a cell phone call. Not made a phone call. I'm not saying they won't change in the next little while. But it's going to be just – it may be later than you think when there's a robot uprising taking over the world. The robots show up in western China and they go well, – there's no place to plug you in, man. I'm sorry, dude. And uh, they—they're not very productive, let alone take over the world of. <laughs> uh, I,
2: I take it you—you don't believe it. You no, don't no, it. it just
3: its its, it's there's just not a lot of other things to worry about. I, I agree with Bill. There's there's nothing about it that sounds impending to me. Okay. Though it be impending to others, which is the perfect setup for like a cult. Right, the world is going to come into it. It'll change really soon, really fast. Just join the bandwagon. Right, just right. Send Send money now. (laughs) But that's not what Kurt. He's not asking you to send money. I I am. I want to get Ray Kurzweil on the show. (laughs) the 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 big the exponent of of the singularity. We get try to get him on Star Talk. Okay, so that he can speak for himself rather than me commenting on what others have said about him. And
1: he may be right. Okay. All
2: right. Well, there you have it. Uh, don't worry about it. Is the answer <laughs> yeah. to your question? Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, chill, chill Chillax out. on that one. Chillax, baby. All right. All right. Okay, let's go to Robert Hartley, who is also coming to us from Facebook. Hello, guys. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, just in case Neil asks, because sometimes you want to know where people are from. In regards to the Ontario's failed launch. How much doubt would the team have to have that the mission would go unsuccessfully before making the decision to abort? So what is the protocol for an aborted launch? What has to happen where you go,
1: ah. It's two different things. Forget that. There's canceling a launch. Okay. And then then there's abort in flight. So canceling, we're going to put it off. Or postponing is probably a better verb. To place forward, to place ahead, to place later. Postponing is where people ask themselves, is this going to work or not? Abort generally means once the thing's flying and it's going to cause trouble, should we blow it up? In the case of the last Antares launch, it was self-upblowing. So it was
3: a (laughs) self-aborting flight (laughs) Undesirable. (laughs) That that was a design feature. Yeah, exactly.
1: Why is that clock ticking down? (laughs)
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's that sound? So anyway, uh, I know what you mean, but this is why you have managers, and this is why you have managers you want to be uh, literate with technically, who want to know what's going on and can can make decisions based on learned – input from their subordinates can you be a good
3: manager going to managerial school did you have to be an engineer to manage engineers
1: well let me ask you this uh so many of the fortune 500 companies are
3: run by engineers okay so well could well many of them are tech companies
1: yeah so uh is there a connection in other words could such a tech company be run by somebody who is not engineering savvy Mm. and the answer is uh, i don't know man but when it (laughs) comes to rocket launches you really want people in charge with experience. And right. this is, mm-hmm. you know, just to talk about the Planetary Society yet again, on our board is Scott Hubbard, who became the Mars czar.
3: Under, and NASA.
1: Yeah. So there was Mars. Uh, faster, better, cheaper was the the way of thinking. The modern word people throw in as mantra. This is what we're going to do. Faster, better, cheaper. And, and so there were some successful missions, but there was Mars Climate Orbiter. Mm which went off into deep space because we interchanged English units with metric units. Went off into
3: deep space instead of arriving at Mars.
1: Yes. And then Mars Polar Lander, which became Mars Polar Crasher because the landing gear deployed and the software thought that it had been on the surface. But, uh, I mean, rather, there was a little shake and the software thought it was on the surface, but it was still in space. And it crashed. So we brought in, NASA brought in Scott Hubbard, who was a manager. He managed it. He figured out who knew what he was doing and who didn't, and he made some personnel changes. And then we had the successful landings of <laughs> Spirit, Opportunity, changes, and no Curiosity.
3: Like some you don't regret action.
1: who you fire. You regret who you don't fire. So uh, I didn't make that up. That, that's... Uh, that's ancient wisdom. Chuck, we got time for one oh, more. Oh, hey. no, Bill Wanders. It's management as well as technical problems. All right. So there you Last have question. it. Last question. All right.
2: Here we go. Uh, this is from Matt Eli. And Matt wants to know this If life were on a comet, would we know it? Also, mm. I heard mentioned that they are trying to see how much
1: of Earth's water came from comets. Furthermore, there are amino acids on these bodies. These are acids with carbon and double bond, double bond, oxygen, oxygen. Which are the building blocks of life? And so exactly. So where is the line drawn between an amino acid out there in space and you and me? Neil? Mm. I thought you were going to chime in with some brilliant insight.
3: Ooh.
1: Astrophysical, astrobiological insight.
3: Well, there, some, there are ideas put forth back in the 1960s and 70s led by Fred Hoyle mm-hmm. and his collaborator Wick Ramasinghe, who suggested that perhaps there were bugs in space and that if the solar system moved through a virus-contaminated cloud, a big idea. that the whole Earth would be contaminated all at once. And they put that forth as the reason for the 1918 flu epidemic.
2: Okay. So, and bugs as in, but, like, Okay, gotcha. Right, as a disease. As a
3: disease. disease. The notion that you can have complex molecules in space, why can't you have complex organisms? Organisms. Sorry. Right, right. So uh, that it's really great science fiction material, but... It doesn't really hold up, hold up. On, on, on analysis because to make complex molecules you need high rate of collision with particles and gas clouds are very low density right. and so you don't have the experimenting the chemical experimenting that would go on on a planet's surface and so uh, if there were life on a comet and it was microbial th- there's not any way we would know, unless you land on it unless and scoop you land it up on it and, it and it sniff and, it. And and around and, and find and sniff around and find some goo so which means we got to go there We've two go questions to the and we're there. Where are
1: we alone in the universe and where did we come from? That's why we explore.
3: I want to know where we're going. Thanks for listening to Star Talk Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Many thanks to our comedian, our guest, our experts. And I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Until next time, I bid you to keep looking up.
4: Listening to your favorite podcast?